Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Good morning, everybody. Wasn't that interesting? I, um, Dana, found that, and I thought that was just absolutely incredible. Uh, You might have noticed that, uh, if you had a look on Facebook, that we are starting a new series. Yes. Can anybody tell me what that series is? Shema. <laughs> Hearing God's voice. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks. And I'm, and I'm so excited because that is one thing that has the ability to absolutely change our lives. So I would really encourage you to, if you're not able to be with us in person, just to watch online or whatever the case may be, so that we can go on this journey together of learning what it does mean to hear God's voice. Now, the first thing that we just need to clarify is that it doesn't necessarily mean it's an audible voice. Uh, I would think that if God spoke, it would be with a German accent, but um, just kidding, okay. <laughs> but hearing God's audible voice is the exception, not the rule. So. We are going to be spending some time over the next couple of weeks looking at what does it mean to hear God's voice. There's an amazing Bible study that I would recommend everybody to have looked through by Priscilla Shire called Discerning the Voice of God. And a lot of what I'm speaking about is actually coming out of, of her work. So um, I've been a believer for six, no, hold on, I was 16 that hurts my brain, 25 years. I've been, for a quarter of a century, I have been a believer. And uh, I became a believer when I was 16 years old. Uh, we had a visiting uh, pastor that came to our church, and, and he said, you know, you know the saying, if you die tonight, do you know where you would be? Or as we like to say, turn or burn, dry or braai. You know that saying? And I remember listening, and I'm going, yeah, so like if I do die tonight, I don't know where I'll be. And I was like, this, okay, no, it's very logical. This is a business transaction. And I put up my hand and I said, okay, yes, I want to accept Jesus into my life. And then I, I went into a, a, one of the prayer rooms and I had two ladies praying for me. And I remember the one was one of my teachers, which is already awkward. And um, she started pr- praying for me very sweetly and started crying. And I'm kind of looking at her going, why are you crying, weirdo? And I mean like really crying. Obviously tears of joy, now I understand. But as a 16-year-old, you kind of go, you're so weird. And I mean, like I said, she's a teacher, okay? <laughs> teacher. So, um, and so for me, my, my walk with the Lord started with very little emotion. Um, it was all about doing. Uh, it was all about uh, service and being the eldest child. It, it fit in very easily. The first thing I did as a believer was stop swearing Okay? and memorize the books of the Bible. I mean, isn't that what you're supposed to do when you become a believer? Right? Right? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and so for me, that is what it was, uh, that's how my walk with the Lord started. This thing is going to drive me nuts, just so that you know. Okay. So that's, that's how my walk with the Lord started, was very much about doing. And uh, it even got to the point where I know this is very hard for you to imagine, but that we would do clowning. Yeah, you know clowning? Like clowns? And we'd go and we'd share Jesus through clowning. I'm so glad we don't do that anymore. (laughs) Okay, very much so. And so after school, I joined a ministry team, and uh, for three years, we traveled Southern Africa doing ministry. Um, One of my favorite things is... um, at that stage, and still at this stage, I didn't like to wear skirts. So I was like, okay, which team can I join that doesn't wear skirts? And I went, the rural team. 
if you know anything about rural ministry, it's all about wearing skirts. God knew what he was doing with that one. But it was all about doing, all about uh, what you're supposed to do and about uh, doing what looked right. And so I became very disillusioned with this whole walk with the Lord because there was no real relationship. And it was only after I had uh, left that team that I, I started going to a church where there was a huge focus on hearing God's voice and on the relationship that we had with the Lord. And that's kind of where I started hearing God's voice. And after that, I arrived in Vintuk, and since then, I've been part of this church. And so this morning, I want to ask you, what are some of the reasons that you decided to become a believer? For me, it was a very... Uh, logical, very rational decision. There was very little emotion. Uh, I knew that, that uh, Jesus loved me because that's what they told me, but I didn't hear his voice just at that point in time. So may I ask, what called you to the Lord? I'm going to start with Rico because we always pick on our teammates first to give everybody else time. Uh, it was the, the joy of the people in the church. Inexplicable okay. joy. Inexplicable. Seeing the joy of people around him and wanting it for himself. Anybody else? I know names. Brian. Mine, mine was a, uh, a fellow seven-year-old. <laughs> uh, who had just given his life to Christ, and I could see that he was different mm. at seven. At seven, wow. And I, and I realized that I needed to also uh, make a decision myself. I've been hearing it from my parents for a while. Yeah. Wow, thank you, Brian. Anybody else? We've had left, right, how about middle? Oh, there to the back, Hunga. You could just, yeah. You could come just the way you are. Fantastic. Now, if you listen to all these stories, it's not necessarily that we heard God's voice calling us at that time. I, I think when I look at my own life, I don't think I would have uh, recognized his voice. And so it's a journey that we all take, and it's a journey of, that each one of us, no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, of learning to hear his voice and responding to his voice. So the first question we need to ask is, does God still speak? And if you weren't here last week, Brian spoke about that, and I recommend that you go back online and just watch uh, what, uh, what he said about that. So, so I have this little dog. Her name is Hope. Um, what does one always say? I hope she listens, but yeah, she's a little wild dog. But I'll be talking to friends of mine. Uh, I'll be talking to Dana or to Wanda, and I'll say, okay, I'll see you soon. And then with those words, my little dog, who doesn't understand English, is by the door, because she knows that means we're going somewhere. She knows my tone. She knows if I'm speaking to somebody, whether it's a friend or if it's a business call, and she recognizes my, my tone, and then she's ready to go on an adventure. So that's my little cute dog, who's a dog, okay? Can you imagine how much, how much more we, as, as God's creation, as his children, how much more we can learn to hear his voice and to respond to his tone? So we know he speaks. We read in John 10 verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He speaks. We read in, in John chapter 14 verse 25, still Jesus speaking, and he says, all this I've spoken, 
while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. God still speaks to us. So why is it that sometimes that we don't hear him? One of the main things that I want us to look at today is because, as, as we saw with Shema, that sometimes we're not willing to obey. So I, I was visiting my sister in Norway, and I've got a, a very cute cousin. A cousin, excuse me, she'd be mortified. My niece, my niece. So you honest, my niece, she's 11 years old, and I was visiting her two years ago, so she was nine. And we decided we're going to go for a walk, and so we have to cross the road. Uh, and there's a, you know, so... We're walking, we're walking, and she just runs across the road. I see a car is coming, so I go, Siana, and she's just like, I'm like, Siana, you know, you know, when it gets a little bit louder, and and she just doesn't listen. She just runs across, you know, and I'm like calling really loudly, which for the sake of everybody here, I'm not going to do. I get to the other side, and I go, Siana, why did you run across the road? She looks at me, she goes, This is Norway, not Africa. The cars stop. I'm like. But, but she, <laughs> I was like, really? Anyway, she was very confident the cause, and they did, okay? But what was, what was interesting is that she wasn't listening, so I was calling louder and louder and louder. And that's the thing about God's voice that I've discovered. Sometimes he gets louder, but most of the time, his voice becomes softer. I don't know if you've noticed that. When, when, when God speaks to me, and I'm not obeying, I won't hear him as clearly the next time he speaks. Because it's about relationship. And so we need to be willing to obey. So let, let me ask you, what are some of the reasons that we don't obey when God asks us to do something? Okay, how about fear? Give me some more reasons. Don't want to. Don't want to. What else? It's, sorry, say again, Chest. Yeah, it's not what I want to do. What else? Not comfortable. Not comfortable? Okay. Pride. Pride. How about a bit of laziness? Stubbornness? Peer pressure? This one that I cannot relate to at all. Procrastination? <laughs> cannot relate at all. Okay. <laughs> Maybe feeling unworthy to be used by God. Too busy with your personal ambitions that if I obey God here, then what happens to my plans? Okay. Maybe I'm not hearing him correctly. Maybe he's asking me to do something that I, maybe I think he's asking me to do something that he's not actually asking me. What about disappointment in God based on past experiences? Maybe doubting that obedience will lead to the result that we want. And, again, one I cannot relate to, impatience with God's timing. Those are, I think, some of the reasons that, that we don't want to obey. And what's interesting is that um, obedience and submission go hand in hand. And I think you would agree with me that this world has really twisted the concept of submission. Uh, we don't have to look very far uh, in our country, in, on this continent, in the world, to see how that word submission has been totally taken out of the context that God wanted it to be used in. And I know for myself, um, I struggle with that. And one of the, the things is if I doubt that the person who's asking me to obey them, when I doubt their motives, are they asking me to submit because it's best for them? 
Or are they asking me to submit because it's best for me? And so when, when we have a look and we see that God asks us to submit and obey to his commandments, we need to know his character. In John 10 verse 10 it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so if I understand that submission and obedience leads to life in the full, then it's easier for me to submit. But it doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. Not at all. So after I did three years on this ministry team, um, I, I went to go visit a, a friend in Pretoria. And um, we went to this church. Who, I come from a very, um, what's the word? Um, reserved background, uh, church background. And I, I went to this church that was the opposite of reserved. And I remember looking at all these people going, you're crazy. Okay, just looking at them going, way, way too much emotion and stuff. And then I felt this little, you know, this little like, I think you should join their program. I'm like, ha, 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 walk away. You know that one? So then I felt God still, you know, temp, uh, you know prodding me. And then I made the, made the mistake of saying, okay, God, if this happens, then I will. You know that one? Don't do that. Don't ever do that. So the thing that I said was, there was this, this friend of my friend, I said, if he tells me before the end of this evening that I should join this program, then I know it's your will. So of course, the whole night I avoided him, the whole time, just avoided him. But then my friend decided, no, let's go have coffee, you know, at their house afterwards. So the avoiding was a little bit, you know, harder to do. As I was about to walk out the door, he goes, Sibylla, I think you should do this next year. I will not tell you what I felt about it, okay, because I really did not want to. I, I remember driving the next day with my friend and being in tears, going, I don't want to do this. Remember about the emotion stuff? And, and that's how I joined this, this other program that really uh, led me to understand that God wants to speak. To, to make things even funnier, I come from Namibia where there's wide open spaces and I'm somewhat of an introvert, which doesn't mean I'm quiet. It just means I need alone time to recharge. So God puts me in Varsity House, which is a girl's house with 30 girls in. 30 talkative, noisy girls. And so I spend the next two years in this house learning to hear God's voice. So following Jesus doesn't always mean that things will be the way you want them to be. This was my encouragement during that time. It's 2 Samuel, and it says, He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And so obeying God's voice isn't always easy, but we know that in the end, he does it because he delights in us and he brings us out into spacious places. When we don't know the nature of who God is, when we don't understand his character, that's when we question his motives. What did the serpent say to Eve? He says, did God really tell you to do this? And, and throwing a, a hint of doubt into why would God keep something that's good away from you? If we doubt him, and if we doubt his goodness, we won't obey. Do you remember the rich young ruler? When he comes to Jesus and he says, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, you must obey the laws and the commandments. He says, great, I've done that. And then, and then this is what Jesus says to him. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. 
Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for ye had many possessions. This man didn't trust that what Jesus was promising him was better than his possessions. You think about Solomon, who started off so well, and then started focusing on the pleasures of this world, and then messed up. You have a look at Judas, who, who walked with Jesus, who knew Jesus, Jesus, and then started doubting who he was and what his, his uh, motives was, and we see what happened to him. Sometimes we don't want to obey because we don't think that he'll sustain us, that he'll take us through the difficult times. We look at Jesus, Jesus who says, take this cup from me. I think Jesus understands what it's like to, to not be sure whether you can get through this, but what does Jesus say then? Your will be done, not my will. Sometimes we just don't believe God when he asks us to do something. We don't believe that he's asking it for, for our good, and we don't believe that there will be joy in obedience. One of the things I, I love telling these uh, students is that when I was growing up and my mom was here, she can verify, I was a very good kid, right mom? Good nodding, good job mom. I was a good kid. So. I had a lot of freedom. I could go out whenever I wanted to. I didn't have to tell my mom and dad where I was going. I could come back home whenever I wanted to. But the reason why that was, was because I always went to where I said I was going to, and I always came back at a reasonable time. Because I did what I was told, I had more freedom than most kids in my class. Because I knew that there was freedom in following the expectations, the rules that my family had set for me. And that's what, what these students don't, don't understand, is that when you break that trust between parents, then your freedom is greatly restricted. When we go on outings, I tell the, the students the same thing. Here are the rules. If you break them, then the walls come in closer. And so knowing that, that God wants to give us freedom, that helps me to obey his voice, to listen to his voice and, and do what he's asking me. We're going, to, we're going to look at Abraham quickly. We're going to look at two people. We're going to look at Abraham, and we're going to look at Elijah. Okay, so we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. God asks Abraham, not the ham, Abraham, uh, to leave Haran. He makes the promise to Abraham that at that point he doesn't have any kids, that he's going to make him into a great nation. Okay? He also, Abraham, Abraham then also tells the Egyptians that his wife is his sister. Not a good idea. Okay? Because then the Pharaoh takes his wife uh, for his wife. You know what I'm saying. It doesn't work out well. Okay? Then in Genesis chapter 13, God reminds him again of this promise that he will have many children. Again, Abram doesn't have any children at that point. He says that your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. In Vintuk, we understand that very well at this point. Okay. Genesis 15, God makes a promise about his ascents again and says that he will be as many as the stars of the sky. I think we can all agree that's one thing that we love about this country. One of the many things is seeing all the stars. Genesis 16, Abraham takes God's promise and tries to make it happen himself. Remember the obedience and not being patient with God's timing? And so Sarah tells Abraham to sleep with Hagar and has a son called Ishmael. Genesis 18, Sodom is destroyed. You know the story where, where Sarah laughs when the angel said that she'll be pregnant in a year? Okay. Genesis 20, Abram again, you think he learns, but he doesn't, says that his wife is his sister as they travel, but this time to Abimelech. And then in Genesis chapter 21, Isaac is born, and he's 100 years old. 
So he's waited a long time for God's promises. So do you see that throughout this journey, he hears God's voice, he obeys. He hears God's voice, he obeys, and then sometimes he makes stupid decisions. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 22, and this is what it says. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. A reminder, this is the promise. This is, Isaac is the promise, is the result of a promise that God made to him. Uh, a promise for obedience. Next verse. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, if that is not one of the most um, incredible stories of listening to God's voice and commands. You know where it says earlier the next morning, Abram got up. If that was me, I would be delaying, going, oh, the donkeys didn't sleep well. We can't go today. No? If, if God had asked me to do that, I would, have, I would have made a lot of excuses. But we see that, that Abraham responds instantly, early the next morning. There, there's also a process. We see that Abraham learned from right in the beginning, he learned what it meant to follow God. When I was in, uh, in school, uh, I went through a, progress, uh, a process that I definitely failed, where I felt that God was uh, asking me to be faithful in, with money. And I remember the first time somewhere I found 10 bucks and I knew who it was from and I felt convicted by God to give it back to the person. So I did great. The next time there was money that was flying past, picked it up, saw who it was, gave it to the person. Fantastic. The third time there was an envelope of money in a book that I'd bought and I knew who I bought it from. But it was a lot of money, like a lot, because eh? I was in like grade 10. So I didn't give that money back. And the process stopped and God did not speak with me about that any further. So I look at that and I go, ooh, I messed that one up. When I started coming to this church, like I said, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so the concept of tithing is not something that I was very familiar with. So I felt God, and this was quite a few years ago, and you might know the story, I felt God asking me to give $500. Now at that stage, I was earning $3,500, and I still had to pay rent, okay? So I ummed and awed for a long time, and finally I was obedient. I was like, ooh, Lord. You need to get me through this month, okay? I'm going, here come militants, yay! So I gave $500 to, to tithing, and suddenly I found out that somebody had paid, wait for it, $500 onto my cell phone account, so I had credit for the next few months. And I thought, wow, God. That is because it was immediately. It wasn't like after a month or something. It was within a few days. Then I found out who that person was, and as I was speaking to that person, they told me that God had impressed on their heart to do that, but that they also didn't have the $500 at that stage. But they felt that they had to do it. Within about a week, I think it was, somebody had given them back $200, and somebody else had given them a gift of $300. This is not always how God speaks, but God was showing me something during that process. And so it's a process, because now... I'm learning um, 
over the years, I've learned how to tithe because I first had to take that very scary step of stepping out and obeying his voice, and he responded. So like Abraham, it's a process. Something that I think many parents say that I don't like very much or I didn't like as a kid was delayed obedience is disobedience. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> I see some, some children smiling. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And that's when I look at Abraham and I see how he just responded immediately. One day, when I'm grown up, I want to be like that. We also see that Abraham made a, purpose, made, a, uh, made a point of preparing. He didn't just get up. He got the donkey. He got the workers. He got the wood. And listening to God's voice and obeying his voice takes preparation. And it takes uh, being willing to be committed to do whatever it takes. Obedience comes with a price. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. We know the story that at the last moment, God provided a ram. But have you ever seen the connection between Jesus and this story? I just want to point out some things to, to you quickly. Let me go back. So it says in verse 2, take your son, your only son whom you love. Where else in scripture do we see that? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There's already a first little hint of the connection between, between Isaac and Jesus. Many scholars think that the mountain that um, Abraham was asked to go to is the same mountain that Jesus was sacrificed on, was crucified on. We see that what happened on that mountain when, when Abraham was up there, that was a transaction between the father and the son. The servants had to stay below. We see what ha happened at, on the cross was between God the father and God the son. If you have a look, it says that Isaac carried the wood on his back up the mountain to the place of where he was supposed to die. What did Jesus do? He carried the cross. He carried the cross that he was supposed to die up the mountain that he did die on. We see that after three days of travel, that's when, when Isaac was supposed to be sacrificed and God stays his hand and, and says, here's the ram. But we know that, that God did not stay his hand with his own son. And the sacrifice for all of us was Jesus. But after three days, Jesus rose again. And so when you, when you look at the, the, the similarities, it's incredible to see the result of obedience. Because through the obedience of Jesus, you and I have access to the Father. We have access to eternity. And not only that, we have this incredible calling to invite others to him. Can you imagine what God would do in the city if each one of us heard his voice and not only heard his voice, but obeyed him. Can you imagine what God would do in this city, in this country? Guys, I read the newspapers and I'm, it breaks my heart. We need Jesus more than ever before. And if each one of us were able to hear and discern his voice and to be willing to do what he asks us to do, this country would not stay the same. This country would be totally changed. The beautiful thing about God is he asks us to obey, but he also knows where we are. You know, remember the story of Elijah? So Elijah goes, he has this big contest with the prophets of Baal, remember that? And then fire comes down and everything is destroyed. And then right after that, so all the, the prophets of Baal are, are, have died, huge victory for God. And then Jezebel, please never, hold on, <clears throat> let me rephrase this. 
It is not a good idea to name your child Jezebel. It does not have a good connotation in history, okay? So this lady, Jezebel, threatens Elijah's life, and he's like, woo, and away he runs, okay? He says, he, he runs for his life, okay? And it says, um, let me, sorry, go back here. And then it says that he went, ran for his life, and then he went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, which I looked up, and the science people said that this is a broom brush, right? And he sits down under that. I'm kind of going, where's under that? Okay. <laughs> he sits under that, and then he prays that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. There's a kid's song that goes, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm going to eat some worms, okay? That's, when I look at that, I'm going, that is the picture of not being happy with life. When you go lay pitifully under that brush, and you're just like, end this now. And God, being our incredible, amazing God, he provides an angel, and he touches Elijah, and he says, get up and eat. And so Elijah looks around, and there's some bread fresh bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And so he eats, he drinks, and then he continues sleeping. And then again, God comes again, and he says, eat and drink for the journey's too much for you. And here, so he eats and he drinks, and then he travels for 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of Horeb. And there he goes into the cave. And, and I love this. God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Have you ever had those moments where you're somewhere in your life where you know you shouldn't be, whether it's physically or emotionally or mentally, or you're watching something or you're doing something, and you can hear God saying, what are you doing here? Have you ever had that? And I see, I see a Lord, uh, the Lord saying this, and, and, and Elijah replies, and he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. I am the only one left. That's actually not true. There were others left. But, you know... Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with our situation that we just see what's here. And so Elijah's saying, I'm the only one left, and now they want to kill me. And God says, oh, get over it. No, just kidding. What does God say? God says to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And we see that there's a mighty wind, but the Lord's not in the wind. We see there's an earthquake. The Lord's not in the earthquake. There's a fire. The Lord's not in the fire. And then it says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I just love that story because what that means is when I am in a place where I am not okay, where it feels like I'm the only one left, even though that's not reality, when I feel like I cannot go further, God meets me at that place and he speaks to me in that place with a gentle voice. But then he says, what are you doing here? And then God sends Elijah out. So it's that Psalm 23 that he gives us that moment of rest to rejuvenate, and then we keep going. And so I love the fact that God speaks to us, that he asks us to obey, but he also knows where we are. And he gives us what we need in that moment to be able to go out and, to, uh, go out and do what he says. So uh, I love Narnia series. The one reason why I love Narnia series is because, yes, C.S. Lewis wrote it. And right at the end of the book, uh, or at the end of the series, there's this line that I love, and it's um, one of the characters saying, he says, I've come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life. 
though I never knew it till now. Come further up, come further in. And that line gives me goosebumps because that's what God is inviting us to. He's inviting us to come further up and further in, to hear him and to go on this incredible journey with him. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to hear his voice? This morning, I want to encourage, exhort, whatever E word you want to put in there, that we listen to God's voice and that we obey because it will change our lives and it will change this nation. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for your incredible love. I thank you that you speak to us. I thank you that we can hear your voice. Lord, as we, as we go throughout the next couple of weeks, I, I pray that you'll remind each one of us that you do want to speak to us and that, uh, that we'll learn what it means to discern your voice. Father, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for all those uh, that are watching online. Father, I pray for all those that are either cycling or at the hockey, whatever the case may be that they will know this morning how deeply loved they are by you. Lord, I thank you that you invite us on this incredible journey of, or adventure, this incredible adventure of being part of your purpose on this earth, uh, an earth that desperately needs you. Lord, I thank you for your love, and I thank you for your grace, and that, um, that you choose us, and that you speak to us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.